Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought I'd tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Okay, before I take you to the podcast, I want to give you a little bit of a reminder about the power of focus and accountability. This is the one tool that will really get you towards the goals you are seeking, towards the path you want to take. So listen to the end to find out more or check out the link in the show notes. Anyway, let's get you back to the podcast. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people. And what I have discovered is that our story is everything. Because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? My my parents were pretty... um ahead of their time I remember um, my dad got me to sit down to an audio of Think and Grow Rich when I was probably 15 Wow, and I couldn't was pro- stand that, it that was progressive that was like listening to these tapes by Earl Nightingale when you're 15 you don't want to know you don't know about that stuff you really don't my guest on the program today is John Bolton and he's an optometrist from Brisbane in Australia Now, what brings him onto the podcast? Well, he's the author of the book, Money Does Grow on Trees. It's a compilation of over 17 books that he has read over the years. And it brings the sense of what he has discovered in in the areas of personal development, money and investing. John is one of our first conversations relative to the event about money that I haven't quite set a date for yet, but I can tell you the name of the event. It will be called Let's Talk About Money because it's the one thing that I'm acutely aware of as I explore this subject that people don't want to discuss. As you would have heard from the intro, John was exposed to personal development very early on in his, uh, in his young life. Like everybody, John has had his ups and downs, but on the whole, he's had a pretty good life. And when you explore his story, what stands out for me, it's always been about personal development. And as you heard in the intro, he was exposed to it from very early on, as his parents are very much role models in this conversation. So this is the first part of our pro- of our program together. We'll be talking about the five questions and exploring John's life and how he explores the idea of passion, purpose, success, meaning and contribution. John was fortunate to discover very early on in life what he enjoyed most. And he found a place where he could express it. He found a profession which supported him in that purpose. John, it's always been about talking to people and helping them. So becoming an optometrist satisfied all of those desires. It provided him the ability to help people, as in make their life better, help them see. It gave him the opportunity to have some fantastic conversations. So let's join this conversation with John Bolton. This is life, passion and business. And it's all about the journey, where, where, where it all started. Where did it begin for you? For me, it started... Along, I mean, if you go back to when I was at school, I mean, 
I actually didn't do very well at school. So I had to actually repeat grade 12, Ooh. which is your version of senior. Um, so at 19, I went back and did my senior year at uh, high school mm-hmm. and I got into optometry, which is quite difficult to get into, but that set me up for later on. Um, do, they, do, to- I, do they teach optometry in school, do they? No, no, not really. No, no. <laughs> no so so uh, basically no, you, you, got a, you got a place you could get to university in the process, I guess, you say. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So it, it, it was, it was, I did exceptionally well the second time through and the only difference was my mindset was different. At that stage, I was still growing up and still trying to work out who I was and what I was doing. And, you know, the first time I went through, I, I mucked up. So, you know, it's just one of those things. But, you know, things happen for a reason. So, okay, when you were growing up, what was your passion? What was it What was it like for you as the child and the teenager? What was your passion stuff? What were you into? Well, I enjoy sport. So that was my biggest passion at the time. And I always enjoyed people, though. I, I always love talking to people. And mm. I love talking to different sort of people, which is, funnily enough, what I've ended up doing for the whole of my life. So, it, you know, I love playing golf. I was actually a pretty good um, uh non-professional golfer in mm-hmm. my early years and I got to meet a lot of people that were it went on to be pretty good some some guys ended up being on the Japanese tour mm-hmm. um and you know that stood me in good stead because it was like okay I, I understood that I was never going to be a professional mm. but that wasn't mean I wasn't going to enjoy it so is this, and, is this in Australia when you grew up yeah yeah. So, what's yeah. like? What was life like growing up in Australia as a child? I mean, was, uh, were, was were you were you pushed Were you pushed into sport? Was that the thing to do? Was it? Was... Um, my parents weren't that pushy. I mean, mm. you know, I, I lived five hundred meters from a golf course, so it, it was a pretty logical step that I was going to end up doing that. I played rugby league. Um, I was a good runner at school. I was a good swimmer. I was good at everything. I basically did. Mm-hmm. Um, but without being exceptional at anything, really. So mm-hmm. it was one of those kids that could pick up things and, you know, go and do something. And I was also the sort of person that got along with people. So I can talk to people and it doesn't matter who they are. And that's always been a strength of mine is that I can talk to anybody. Mm. And, uh, so where did, where did that, that come Where did that come from? I've got no idea, to be perfectly honest. My dad's <laughs> quite good at it. My dad's my dad was a business person, and my mum was a school teacher. Um, they, they so you saw me. you saw it basically. What you you witnessed it in your parents that ability to talk to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So watching them, I mean, that's how mm-hmm. most of us learn. We learn by who's around us. So my my parents were pretty. Um, Ahead of that time, I remember um, my dad got me to sit down to an audio of Think and Grow Rich when I was probably 15. Wow. I couldn't pro- stand that, it. That was progressive. That was like listening to these tapes by Earl Nightingale. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I may have heard of some of these tapes, actually, at some stage in my life. <laughs> but when you're, when you're 15, you don't want to know. You don't know about that stuff. You really don't. So, but. I do now. Yeah, of course you do now, but that's a different conversation. So look, when, when you, different... yeah, we, okay. So, okay. So the sport and golf and things is a very big leap from there to becoming an optometrist. So yeah. what was it about? So, uh, what was it about like, you know, optometry that suddenly attracted you? Well, I was quite short-sighted. So, and that's how most optometrists get into it. They, they usually find that their eyesight's pretty poor <laughs> or, or, or they, they want to help people. And 
I had both of those things in my five favor at the time. So that was a logical step for me. That was optometry for me was crossing two things off. So crossing off the fact that I was short-sighted and mm-hmm. I couldn't see very well without my glasses. And the second one was I wanted to help people. And I don't know where that came from, but I've always wanted to serve people. I've always wanted to help people. And I get, I, the way I look at it is that I actually get more out of helping them than I get by helping them. So, so if you can, if that, if that makes any sense, the way I'm saying it, but like it's, I get such a kick out of helping people and seeing a smile or a thank you or anything like that. And it doesn't have to be a monetary gain for me. It just really is about um, that feeling that you get that you've actually helped somebody and maybe you've helped them in a way that can change their life. It's funny, but I exactly understand exactly what you mean because you say something to someone and you see the lights come on. Gosh, they just suddenly you're like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. You've already been paid. <laughs> regardless of whatever happens i mean my wife's a life coach too so it's like you know we, we're we're doing the same sort of thing I, I as in my optometry practice i um my consultations go for a lot longer than a standard optometry test so i talk about life in general for the first 20 minutes of the consultation so mm-hmm. i don't know of too many other optometrists that do that that's where i get my kick so mm-hmm. My consultations take four Well, minutes. it's your train set. It's your business. You can do exactly yeah, as you like. Well, it's not as if you're working that, for someone else. And that's, <laughs> and that's what people say at the end of it, thanks to the chat. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, that's awesome. You've, you've appreciated what I've done, apart from, you know, doing an eye test and glasses and all that sort of stuff. Mm. It's the talking to people. And, you know, if you can give them one thing while you're doing that, it makes it all worthwhile. Okay, I'm going to walk out. I'm going to take a risk now and walk out, walk out into the woo-woo world. Do you think that eyesight and the change of people's eyesight is relative to their change of mindset? Can be. When I was 17, my world, I, I had completely lost connection with my world, what I was doing. I had no flipping idea. I was working in a dead-end job in a really bad location in London. And my vision started to come in at that point in my life. And I always wonder when I now I did the kind of personal development work over the years. I always wonder if that was that, that my, my physical world was starting to represent my mental world by my vision pulling in. A bit esoteric, that isn't it? I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes and no. I, I, think, I think how we think, how we talk and how we feel has a big impact on everything. I don't, mm. I don't think that those things can be taken out of context with everything. I mean... Mm. Obviously, it makes a big difference in terms of wealth and health. But what I'm wondering is that you see a lot of people in terms of from an optometry perspective. Does does that ring at all? Do you see if you're you're looking at their lives, does does their eyesight match the kind of the mindset of their living? Yeah, it can do. It can do to a, a large degree. I mean, a, a lot of people who come in with a, a, a basically a negative outlook on life tend to have to happen all the ordinary things happen to them like they have eye diseases like glaucoma that's it that seems to be a stock standard one i mean if, if you want to talk about i mean glaucoma has got worse because the obesity level has got worse the two mm. go hand in hand so that, but there's, also, there's some chemical things about that one isn't there? there's some chemical yeah. stuff about that yeah. but then you think about why are people more obese 
And that comes back to, again, how you're thinking and feeling and talking to and doing everything in general. So the two are very much linked. So mm. people will say, I'm this way because of my genes or my, my parents were like this or my, my dad was like this or my mum was like this. That really is not most of it at all. That is only a small part of the whole thing. It's just the bigger picture is how, what you do with your life mm. and how you control what's going on in here. So so it sounds like you found your your place in the world because obviously you 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 move through it and you found optometry which 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 ticks the boxes for you which sounds wonderful. How do you define success in your life? What's the metric for success for you? Well, the first step is to find a partner that is going to stay with you for the rest of life. Oh, and wow. that that is probably if I can talk about anything I want to talk about, but the reality is if you get that right you're halfway there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, my wife and I talk to each other every day. We we have a cup of coffee every day. We make a point of it. doesn't matter how busy we are. We are talk constantly talking to each other. And before we got married, we're married 29 years this year. Um, so getting your partner right first and being on the same page, you're not necessarily going to agree with everything that your partner does or thinks. That's That's just life. But if you're on the same page with most things and important things in life, then life becomes really easy and fantastic. That's the first move. I think, you know, I can talk about how to invest in the share market and I can talk about real well, estate. That's not what life. I'm looking at, really. It's, like, it's not about no. those things. It's To me, see, we were sold success as a model as children. Is this idea that you know to be successful, you need this, you need this, you need these factors, and 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 I, I think for some, I've met a lot of people that have got gone for those factors, and then when they get there, they go, bloody, oh, this sucks. This is not what I wanted at all, you know, uh, like, because uh, they, what they suddenly uh, realise is the success model that they were chasing wasn't actually theirs. <laughs> you know, you've, you've got to chase what you like doing. Yeah, I mean, I think. You've got to like what you're doing and you've got to have a passion for what you're doing. There's no point in doing something that you can make a lot of money out of or make a great career out of and you don't like it 80% of the time because that's just complete. Yeah, there are people that do this and I and there's a there's a school of thought that says that's how you should do it. And you know, but end of the day, it's about whether you can stomach that, isn't it, really? Yeah, and I, I really feel that the people who stay in one particular profession or do really well in their chosen field are the people who love doing what they're doing. The world that we live in now, there are a lot more professions out there that didn't make sense 20 years ago. And, you know, that doesn't mean that they're any less valuable than anything else. It just means they're just different. And people have made up their own professions now, and there are professions out there that you wouldn't have dreamed of even five years ago. Could you imagine if if you're a if you're a um, you support say Arsenal in the EPL? Yeah, and you set up a YouTube channel just talking about Arsenal all day. Yeah, and making that your life business to do that, and you make a very good living out of doing what you what you've been talking <laughs> it's about. It's incredible, anyway. isn't it, to think that that's so, even possible? <laughs> where's the downside in that? No, there isn't one. Is so, there? <laughs> yeah. it's it's just and those opportunities are out there. I mean. People don't have to follow the, the traditional path 
if studying is not your go and you're better at practical stuff, then follow that because yeah, whatever you whatever you're good at is what you're going to be best at. Yeah, if, you, if, if work is fun, it'll never be yeah. work. Yeah, I, I go to work every day and I don't regard it as being work. I, I go to work and I go, oh, who am I going to meet today? So it's 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 a little bit like, I mean, someone said to me the other day about, you know, writing a book. I mean, who are you to write a book? Well, no one's an author till they've written a book. So so, so you've got to start somewhere. So, you know, if, if, if that's what you wanted to do, then go ahead and do it. So, I, yeah. yeah, follow your dreams. Um, I think. And that's a very good success model. Follow your dreams. I mean, and you have to do it obviously with care, but follow your dreams is the way to do it. Absolutely. And, and people have, as you say, people have gone through the mud to follow their dreams and come out the other side and, that, that's how it works and then mm. eventually something happens but they keep they keep everything going they keep yep. the positive consistency uh, beliefs going and they keep talking to themselves in a positive manner and mm. and sometimes it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen either so that just because you think i want i want x and you'd be given y and you go oh that's not really what i was looking for but I'll go with it. Absolutely. Well, yeah. When you aim for something, you know, aim for the, you know, aim for the stars, and you might hit the moon. That sort of thing, isn't it? That sort of thing. You just aim for something and and push towards it. What you get sometimes is just as good, if not better. The universe doesn't always reciprocate in the way you think it's going to. It's just a matter of um, accepting those opportunities when they come. So, mm. if the universe is throwing you something, it's being aware that the universe is throwing you something and grabbing it and going with it and going for the ride and then see where it takes you absolutely the ride is always worth taking so moving us on to this idea of contribution so there are two sides to the contribution coin first one is how do you see yourself contributing to the world i know your book is a contribution to the world um, and that's a I'll new just... contribution to you but i know and i and so, i can guess because you've changed people's yeah. eyesight and you've changed people's yeah. lives but the question is are you aware of that i think trying to make people the best versions of themselves that they can. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to be a world record runner, but I can do certain things. And we've all got some abilities along the lines. It's a matter of showing everybody that they have an ability. Everybody has a particular ability and it's using that ability to the best of themselves to make the best opportunities that they can in life. Um, there's so many, you see, you hear so many stories of, people not achieving what they could have done and people saying, oh, I, I could have done this, whereas I'm just showing them, well, you can do that. It's not that scary to make that decision. So have a chance, give it a go. Mm. Uh, and if, if my contribution is to, to guide people to take a chance and to be the best version of themselves possible, then that will be a, something that I, I will cherish. Mm, absolutely. So. Brilliant. So how do you contribute to yourself? Because I said it's two, it's, yes, it's two sides yes, to the yeah. side of the contribution. Yes. You know, yeah, we're, so, we're on this, we're, we live this life for ourselves, not just for other people. Yeah. And so it all, it's so easy it all, to forget to look after yeah. yourself. It all starts with yourself. So where it really starts with, and it, it may sound a bit strange, but you really have to love yourself. And 
that doesn't mean you do it in a narcissistic way or that sort of thing, but you have to love yourself. You have to love yourself for who you are and what you do because the reality is until you do that, then it's going to be awfully difficult for you to find love anywhere else. Yeah, so... I mean, what do you do? I mean, what do you do to keep yourself healthy and fit? Okay, so healthy in mind, I do uh, meditation mm-hmm. and I do self hypnosis on wow. a daily basis. Yeah, I when the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is think of ten things I'm grateful for. So I just list off ten things before I even get out of bed. Now those ten things may be different things every day. They might be I'm grateful for having a glass of water. I'm grateful for my wife, I'm grateful for my kids, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for where I live, whatever, my health. Once you get the gratefulness part of things, then you don't really, if you get that as a routinely thing done, then you don't tend to want too many things because you, you think you've got everything anyway. So that's the first thing I do. Um, the second thing I do is I, I've got things written on my mirrors at home when I'm getting ready for work and it says um, money comes in easily. Oh, I have I diff, write different things on a mirror saying. You use use okay, affirmations by, by the loss of Yes, it. yes, mm-hmm. big on affirmations. Um, I've read a lot about that sort of thing and I'm heavily into affirmations. It may be affirmations that I just make up myself. Mm-hmm. They may be somebody else's. I, at, at the moment, uh, the way I do it, I really don't know if they're my affirmations or somebody else's. I read so much. That it I doesn't don't know actually matter because what you're doing here is you're programming beliefs. You're maintaining a belief. Yeah, and it's just getting into a habit mm. of doing these things every day. So, I mean, I run. I've done triathlons. I've done uh, half marathons. I've done a lot of running, done a lot of swimming, done a lot of biking. Um, but so you're still connected with the sport then, even all those years later? No, not as much, not as much. The running, mm-hmm. I'm just down to five and 10K runs now. Mm-hmm. Um, I find them a bit more enjoyable than doing 22. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I do a lot of walking. Obviously, I eat healthily, but most of my work that I do on myself is mind work. So it's most of it is just making sure that, okay, I'm getting my getting myself in what what you would call a Zen mode type of thing. So, mm. so I'm in actually in a Zen mode before I go to work. So I'm driving to work, I'm listening to a podcast or I might be just listening to something that I've taped myself and just going over things about what the day is going to be. And today is going to be a great day. Today is my favourite day. That, that's one of my, my favourite sayings. Um, and you constantly talk about these things in do them on a regular basis, and then it becomes that way that today is your favourite day. So I'm not thinking about last week, and I'm trying not to think too far forward. I'm just thinking about the day, and I think that's important. And it sounds like a lot of mindfulness and a lot of a lot of lot of um, affirmation and a lot of uh, positive yeah. men- positive mental thinking attitude. And it's not it's not that hard to do. It's no. really not that hard to do. No. Um, it's hard to start, nice. though. I think. I think when 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 you you know when you are up to your knees, it's just up to your knees and alligators, or up to your ass and alligators. Yeah. It's very hard to start these things. You know, um, it's, I think it's, once you get going with it, it actually, and you start seeing some small change, that's when it works, isn't it? Well, it, it's like everything else. I mean, people think, oh, self-hypnosis, I wouldn't be able to do that because, you know, and what happens if you get into self-hypnosis and you can't get out of it? Well, it's it's not it's not like that. That's not how it works. 
I mean, you're perfectly in control of what goes on. It's just a process that you go through. And the process is really just to slow everything right down to the point where you're just going, I'm not really thinking. And another thing that I have done uh, time and time again is done uh, silence. Um, one of the things I've done with somebody else, I did four hours of silence. Now, for the first two hours, your brain's going like this because you, you constantly keep talking, you constantly keep thinking. But after the two hours, you stop thinking. And sometimes the best thing we can do in life is to stop thinking, just to clear it. And that's hard. In this world, it is it is a hard thing to do. Now, I've done that one. I get into this sort of cycle. Normally, when something has needled me or someone has needled me in the day or, 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 or I wasn't my best self in a situation. <laughs> and so I replay the situation, wow. bashing myself with a club over the head right. for, for doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also um, probably find it a lot easier if you're not listening to a lot of media. Um, if you're not listening to the constant news cycle that's going on or you're not getting involved in some sort of uh, social media argy-bargy type thing, those things don't really help. I mean, social media has its purposes. It, it has its purposes to keep in touch with people. But a lot of it is toxic and it mm. really doesn't serve any purpose at all. So politics, well news... Give it a few years, it'll all be written by AI. <laughs> they won't be yeah, pretty much, anyway. pretty much. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so moving us on anyway, um, the one thing that I ask all of our guests, really, and, it, and it's the one thing that, which always fascinates me, the answers I get from them, is this thing about meaning. You know, so like, you know, 60, 70 years ago, we'd all been in the church on a Sunday and the priest would have given us our meaning if we're in Western Western type cultures, you know, like, yeah, yeah, glorification of God, that's your yeah. meaning, now go and do it. Yeah. But as as mainstream religion has waned in its, in its impact on the world, we've all been left floundering to work out what the bloody hell we're doing it all for. So in your opinion, what's the meaning of it all? Why are we here? I think we're here to have purpose and happiness. I mean, you know, whatever that purpose is for anybody is entirely up to you. It, your purpose can be, if someone's listening to this, they can be a grandparent, and that's their purpose in life is to be a grandparent. It can be being a teacher. It can be being anything. But whatever your purpose is, you have to like your purpose. And you have to be fulfilled by your purpose. And that will bring, obviously, bring happiness towards you. But purpose is the first thing because most people who run into trouble with, you know, getting into trouble with the law or uh, other things um, usually don't have a purpose in their life. And I think if people had a purpose, and as I said, what that is, is anyone's best guess for anybody. It, it varies significantly, but I think that is where you start. Mm. And I think happiness comes flows from that. So, well, that, you, was you, that an going, easy journey for you? Did you take years to discover that? Yeah, yeah that that wasn't that didn't come easy to me. I mean, you, you get you you go up and down like a yo-yo. I mean, you, you start thinking something, and the, actually, the interesting thing is that the more you tend to learn about this sort of stuff, you realize that you know less than what you did when you started. <laughs> and you, you start thinking, okay, when you get to a point where you think you know everything, 
that's at the point where you know virtually not much at all so it's, so it's 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 you've got to keep learning so yeah. i think that's that's <clears> an important thing whatever you keep learning with is up to you but like i think as a as a species we have to keep learning and keep on challenging ourselves otherwise you know what's going to be life for retirement i mean retirement is going to be when you get to 65 70 and then stop doing everything i i think that's a complete another waste of time and energy i think the concept of retirement was very valid when you did a very physical life where you know by the time you got to 65 your body was dropping apart so mm. so that was yeah. the idea you know you got to 65 and you live four years on if you're lucky and popped off and that was the end of you so but nowadays we obviously we don't live those sort of lives so retirement has a different concept i think it's just about the, the next career yeah. isn't it I just think it's the next career. I mean, yeah. what that career is is entirely up to you. I mean, yeah. it could be doing podcasts. So it could be doing anything. It... So, look, that brings us, to, it brings us to the book. The book was your kind of assimilation of all the books that you had read, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And what brought, so, you to, what brought you to the idea of doing this? Why did you choose to do that? Um, the reason why I wanted to write it was because I realised by the time I was probably 45 to 50 that I was lucky enough to be able to have read most of the books and it's only in the last five years that I've read probably half of these because I've been recommended by and that's where my life has changed a lot in the last five years and that's why I wrote, that was the impetus behind writing the book. So the idea for writing the book was probably 10 years old but I procrastinated before best part of five, 10 years about actually writing it. So I had the actual outline written what i wanted to do was to help people show people that there are there are ways to make life easier and these books do that so what i wanted to do was introduce these books back to people because with all the noise that's going on in the world um a lot of things get lost now a lot of these books have been written in the 20th century some of them are 50 to 100 years old and if you looked at a bookshop, you may find them, but they'll be right down the bottom and they mm. won't stand out at all. So it's it's about imparting what I've learned over 50-something years that can help people who are in their 20s and 30s make life a lot easier for them by learning the lessons that I took a lot longer to get. So life is about making things easier. It's, it's Sometimes it's about making shortcuts, um, and sometimes these things can make by taking the shortcut, then you can go further on with whatever whatever venture you want to get into. But that was the impetus behind doing it. And as I said, in the last five years, I've done a lot of personal development on myself. And I just got to the point where I went, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write it now. And now the book that I've written now is different to the one I would have written 10 years ago because there are so certain. Let's, 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 let's yeah. So the book is a compilation of, say, what, 15 books or 15, more? 15 books. Yeah. Wow. And all those books are, are basically on the subjects of, of manifestation and money and, and living the best um, life you can. Probably only two or three actually reference money. Mm -hmm. uh, some are to do with manifestation. There's one about share 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 market investing that was written by Benjamin Graham, who was Warren Buffett's mentor, because Warren, Warren Buffett hasn't written a book on share investing, so you go to who taught him. Hmm. Um, so but a lot of them are talking about 
manifestation and a lot of them are talking about well Stephen Covey's book doesn't talk about that so Stephen Covey's book talks about how you get along with people which is very important if you want to get anywhere in life because but there there are certain books in there that people will look at and go how does that help you with manifestation I mean the Tao Poo on one hand is Taoism through the eyes of Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. So how does that help you in terms of manifesting money and manifesting health? Well, the biggest lesson you can learn from that is that we all need to be more Pooh Bear in our lives. We need to enjoy the day, not worry about what's happened in, in behind us and in front of us and concentrate on the day. And by him being breaking everything down to a simple type process it makes life a lot easier mm. and he's a happier person now if you follow the <clears throat> poo, poo stories quite well rabbit on the other hand is the epitome of the person in the 21st century racing around trying to do lots of things all the time but never really achieving anything at all and that's that's where books like that come in it sounds, it sounds amazing it's, what's what's the what's your book called um, money does grow on trees. So basically it's about saying that there is there is a lot of money out there, there is an abundance of money out there. So don't ever think that there's a shortage of money out there. When people start talk, saying, oh, there's a shortage of money or the economy's not going very well, plenty of people have made a fortune. Oh, no shortage of money, it just happens to be collected in some rather <laughs> in Yes, hands. it does. That's the problem. <laughs> you have to believe in the process because if, if you don't, then... You can still make money if you don't believe in the process. Of course you can. Of course you can. But it makes it harder. Yeah. So where's so, that book? Uh, so obviously this is the first part of our conversation. We're going to go into the book in detail in the second part of our conversation. So we're just going to just just going to pause there and hear a moment with. So where where is the book available? Is it on Amazon and YouTube? Primarily, it's Amazon at the moment. And so if so, it want to if it wants to connect with you and discover more about you and your services, how would they do that? Um, I'm available on uh, my Facebook page. I've got Money Does Grow on Trees uh, is Facebook page. And, yeah, they can contact me any way they like. So I'm always open to people who are looking to try to help themselves. So okay. if I can help somebody by a few emails. And so to, before we go into the next book, which is the next part of this podcast, uh, we're just gonna, I, I will leave you with one question which I want to put to you. If there was one question you want people to ask of themselves or to ask you, what would it be? What was the what was the biggest decision that you made that think it made the most biggest impact on your life? I think oh, that's yeah. probably the biggest thing. And if I was going to answer that truthfully, I'd answer it in two different ways. I would answer it in the first way, meeting my wife and marrying my wife. That was the first one. The second one for me was I changed my reliance on other people trying to make me money. I started my own self-managed superannuation fund and have followed the steps towards investing from there. So that was a big move for me. Mm. Um, My wife and I were already into property, so we've made a lot of money on property. But if you can learn how to uh, uh, do share training, quite profitably, you can do very well with it because it's a very tax-effective way of making money and setting up your retirement. So my super fund's gone from $40,000 to over a million dollars in 20 years. Wow. So, And that's with not a lot of contributions going in. So it's not that difficult. 
if I can do it, then lots of other people can do it. It's not mm -hmm. rocket science. It just involves a bit of uh, work with numbers and a lot of patience. So the well, well, John, it sounds like you have found the secret to live a very, very, very um, fulfilling and abundant life. So thank you so much for taking some time with me on this part of the podcast. And uh, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to reconnect in a few moments and, and discuss your book and the implications of it more fully so other people can find that. If you want to find out more about that one, do follow the podcast. You'll find out more details about how you can check out the next part of this conversation with John Bolton. So thank you so much for being with me thank at this you. time. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, John Bolton. Now, if you'd like to con connect with John, you can find him on social media. He's not a big user, but you can find him on Facebook. And of course, there is the book, Money Does Grow on Trees, which you can find on Amazon. And all those links will be available at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, there is a part two of this conversation, and that will be part of the event, Let's Talk About Money. There's no sign-up page for that event as yet. So make sure you are following this podcast, because then when that detail becomes available, you will be the first to know. In the meantime, let's talk about finding some focus. Okay, as I mentioned at the beginning, now is the time to discover how to find some more focus in your life and get things done. We all want to move forward. We all want to find some measure of success in the world. And I, I say success with inverted commas because I have a different view of success, but another time. The point is, we always want to move forward and to see change in our lives or to see change for the better. And very often, some of those things we're trying to achieve, trying to do, there seems to be a resistance. There seems to be something in the way. So I want to talk to you about a thing that I call focus coaching, and it's called turbo coaching by some people. It was something I learned in my coach trainings over 15 years ago. And I used to use it a lot with my marketing clients. What we do, we establish what it is you want to achieve and what is in the way of achieving it. What are the blocks you're coming up against? And what it is you need to put in place to move through those blocks and then help you make a commitment to actually achieve it, to do what you say you're going to do in the time frame that you're choosing to do it. And that is called focus coaching for me. And it is so powerful when you set out a clear objective and you knock down all the things that are standing in the way of it, more often than not, success of achieving that goal comes, comes your way. For more details, check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com or check out the links below on this podcast. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.